Hello listeners, my name is Dean Putong and welcome back to the fifth episode of the Benicia Historical Museum Quarantine Camelcast. I'm a rising senior at Yale University, currently interning here at the museum, and joining me is Elizabeth Duarte, the executive director of the museum. How are you? I'm terrific, Dean. Thank you for asking, and I'm looking forward very much to this particular podcast topic. I thought we had a great podcast last week talking about Matthew Turner and his story, and today I think we should do something somewhat similar. I want to focus on a particular story that I had not heard of until you recommended it. Um, a story that it seems has been somewhat romanticized and incorporated into music and literature. This, of course, is a story of Rezanov and Concepcion. Yeah, I thought you might be interested in this historical encounter. Two people from entirely different parts of the world, different cultures, speaking different languages, and falling in love. Yeah, the story is definitely interesting. It's the personal stories in history that I believe give us a particular important perspective into life in the past. We can talk about the massive wars and conflicts all day, and I can, and they do show us the grand scheme of different countries and peoples. But stories like the one between Rezanov and Concepcion, though, they highlight something that can be just as important, the cultural norms, desires, and connections between individual people. I couldn't agree with you more, and it's a very intriguing insight, Dean. And this story about this different courtship that we are discussing today, I'm not so sure that it would be likely to happen in 2020. There aren't that many Russian noblemen uh, enchanting Spanish heiresses here in the Bay Area. No, I don't think that happens much if at all, today. But before we delve further into this story, perhaps we should contextualize its setting. Yeah, much like Reznov and Concepcion encountering each other in California, both the Russian and Spanish empires would meet while expanding their empires throughout the Pacific coast of North America. That's right. After Spain's initial landing in North America and subsequent conquests that continued to claim lands northward from Mexico, eventually establishing the province of Alta California in 1804, and this province, of course, encapsulates the modern-day state of California, but also administered the other northernmost territories, including what is now Wyoming. And Concepcion was born into a prominent family of Spanish administrators of this province, I believe? Yes, she was born in 1791 as a Maria de la Concepcion Marcela Arguello, and was born at the Presidio of San Francisco, actually, the daughter of Jose Darío Arguello. And this guy I found to be quite a character. He was born in the Viceroyalty of New Spain in North America. He enlisted as a soldier, served as a pioneer, and in fact was one of the founders of Los Angeles, which is pretty incredible by itself. He eventually was appointed the Comandante of the San Francisco Presidio uh, before he became the governor of the whole province. So it's clear that Concepcion came from a very important family in California, and this was decades prior to American annexation and the gold rush. So the sparse population of Alta California probably looked up to and depended upon the local military and colonial government. Yeah, that makes sense. Chances are she never never traveled far from the Presidio, and most of the people that surrounded her were soldiers, bureaucrats, and, well, clergy, I guess. So how about Reznov? I imagine his upbringing was extremely different from that of Concepcion's. Yeah, that, that's putting it lightly. There are a few similarities, though, like Concepcion Rezanov came from a background of means and privilege. He was born in St. Petersburg in 1764, and this is something very interesting. A lot of my studies in history were actually focused on Eastern Europe, 
and Russia in particular. And the Russia Reznov was born into was quite simply a spectacular place. The nobles were ridiculously wealthy, and St. Petersburg was this opulent capital of this continuously expanding empire. So what opportunities would Reznov have in the capital? I know he would eventually travel to California, but what did he accomplish before then? Like many young Russian nobles at the time, he frankly had nothing better to do than the standard learning foreign languages and military service. But he did succeed in both these ventures, mastering five languages by the time he was 14 and joining a prestigious army regiment the same year. He climbed the ranks to the point of working for the private secretary of Catherine the Great herself. Well, that's impressive. It certainly sounds like you live quite the life at the center of a fabulously rich, enormous empire. So what drew him to the empty frontiers of California? Now, this is the part I feel is important to remember when he eventually meets Concepcion, as it somewhat tells us a lot about him as a person. Important people in the Russian court took an interest in Rezanov and hired him to oversee their interest in the fur trade. And for whatever reason, Rezanov actually not only took this up, but went further and married a woman who was from a merchant company family, and he was hell-bent on establishing the Russian equivalent of the British East India Company in the New World. His wife, though, she died not too long after in childbirth. Well, he sounds like quite the traveler. I'm just picturing in my head how much of a distance he must have traveled. I mean, this isn't just plains and rolling hills either. It's Siberia, the Arctic Circle, and Alaska. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. I want to get to him meeting Concepcion, so I'm going to have to move quickly past this various exploits and achievements. So he eventually succeeded in obtaining a royal charter from Emperor Paul, and this was seen as a compliment to Rezanov's charisma and persuasion, as Paul was considered a little crazy, a little loco, you know. <laughs> Thus, the Russian-American company was born. He traveled all over the Pacific, including Hawaii and Japan, where he served as Russia's ambassador. So after all of this, he finally makes it to California, it sounds like he has a lot more experiences than meeting Concepcion, doesn't it? You can definitely say that. So the colony he was establishing in Sitka, Alaska was practically starving by 1806. So he put together a crew on the Juno to travel to California to buy food and supplies from the Spanish. But weren't the Spanish practically Russia's competitors, even enemies in colonizing this Pacific coastal area? Why would Reznov expect any help? Well, this is where that reliable Rezanov charisma seems to have come in again. Sick with scurvy and basically starving, their small crew arrived in San Francisco Bay on March 27, 1806, to meet with the Comandante, uh, who was Concepcion's father, actually, Jose. So over their six-week stay, Rezanov found tremendous success in buying food like wheat, barley, flour, and salt. And I'm guessing that this is where um, Fort Ross, as well as Concepcion, comes into this story. Yes, Rezanov and his crew found so much success in their voyage to find much-needed supplies that it was decided that Russia should establish a more permanent settlement to facilitate this arrangement. Rezanov sent reports of lands his men had explored and charted just north of the San Francisco Bay, and two years later, Fort Ross was established by the Russian-American company. I honestly found this really cool. I don't think many people know just why Russia had established a settlement here, and even fewer probably know the important role Rezanov played. Well, you're right, of course. In fact, I think more people know Rezanov from the love story that I assume you are finally about to tell us. Yeah, I guess we're finally at the point in the story. So, Rezanov was 42 years old when his love affair began, while Concepcion was 15. 
<laughs> Definitely not the current American age of consent. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, it wasn't entirely accepted back then either. For one, there was a massive language barrier, as I believe the master of languages, Reznov, happened to not pick up Spanish for some reason. <laughs> From what I read, the only method of communication between the Russians and the Spanish was the Juno's doctor and a friar at the Presidio who spoke Latin to each other. Secondly, there were the practical considerations of Concepcion's family, who were concerned with the religious differences and just blatant distance between St. Petersburg and San Francisco. And I assume that this is where the Reznov charisma again comes in? Precisely. I'm sure it didn't take much to get Concepcion to fall for him. He, a foreign, noble explorer that wanted to take her to the mystical faraway capital. As for her family, he managed to convince them of his plans to gain consent from the Tsar for a mixed Orthodox Roman Catholic wedding. And I seem to recall his journey to Russia to gain the Tsar's consent was not successful. No, on his journey west, he contracted pneumonia three times, and with his deteriorating health, he eventually fell from his horse and died on March 1st, 1807 in Siberia. Concepcion waited for five years before learning of Rezanov's fate from one of his officers, who said, he is dead. His last words were of you. What Concepcion did after Reznov's death, too, is very interesting. She was involved in charity work throughout California and even in Mexico. And even though she was pressured to marry, she decided instead to become a nun. Yes, she joined the Dominican Sisterhood located here in Benicia until her death in 1857. And despite how weird it is to look back on this love story today, it is also documented that Reznov's motives may not have been necessarily his infatuation with Concepcion. The doctor of the Juno, who served as a communicator between the parties, himself wrote, A close bond would be formed for future business intercourse between the Russian-American company and the Provincia of Nueva California. Reznov, therefore, decided to sacrifice himself by wedding Dona Concepcion to the welfare of his country and to bind in friendly alliance Spain and Russia. Well, not exactly a complimentary remark about Concepcion, <laughs> I must say. And uh, I like to think that it was a combination of affection and, shall we say, an interest in promoting commerce. No reason why those two can't very pleasantly cohabit the same space. I agree. It's these stories that we find hidden in journals and in indexes of our history books that are often the most relatable on an individual level. I hope everyone listening is inspired to dig up other obscure moments in history and how they might relate to Venetian California history. So I think this is a great place to end today's episode. Thank you to Elizabeth for exploring this topic with me. Tune in next week for a discussion on the California Gold Rush. You can check the museum website archives online at www.beniciahistoricalmuseum.org for podcasts, images, and narratives, and be sure to visit the museum at 2060 Camel Road when it reopens. If you wish, donate online, and be sure to like us on Facebook. Remember, the history of California is written in the story of Benicia.